Welcome to Isidka. My name is Amina Isid, and join me as I take you on a journey to explore identity, culture, and belonging. Take a seat as I take you through time, space, and various perspectives of cultural identity. Stay tuned to see where the journey will take us today. So after my first trip to Hergesa, the people that I met when I was there told me to write about what I saw, what I had seen, what I had experienced, to tell the outside world what the city was like, what the place was like, and what society was like. And I was like, okay, I will. I will. You know, I took that on and I was like, I'll do that. They told me to write about it and I didn't let that go. I felt like I had to write these stories and I was writing like very much like little short snippets of a moment in time just to freeze it forever for me to remember what it all felt like, what the sun beaming on me felt like, what walking over the rocks and the rubble and how long it took to do every little thing. But then as I kept writing, I honestly forgot those little those little moments or those little tidbits that would have probably made that experience like really annoying at the time and the things that I held on to were just the fact that I was there, the fact that I was able to put faces to names of all these people that I've heard about my whole life, and the fact that I really was there taking up space. And I can't imagine what life would be like if we were six, seven generations removed from so- from Somalia, from Somalilands, from our people back home. But even being the first generation removed from the country from the region were already so lost my parents both were raised by their grandmothers they were yeokuris and so i was named after my mom's grandma and imagine i wouldn't even be able to tell you what my grandma looked like my mom had not seen her since she left in the 80s my dad had not gone back but my dad always used to talk about her talk about her and my habiyaro and so we do have a couple pictures of my habiyaro um, who went back to the region. She took some pictures with her siblings, with my grandma. So those we still have. Um, I think I've even posted one on Instagram, a picture of the two of them. And Ayeo is dressed very much like how she would be now. She's wearing a simple dirak sheet and she has a shalmat, shalmat and then marhamat diar on her head. She has a little hijab covering her hair. And I even saw a picture of women in, in Mogadishu in 1990, and they're all dressed very similar to that. They have a dirashit, they might have a shalmat with a huwanihin like around their shoulders and stuff, and they have a little hijab covering their hair. Not for nothing, I was ready for the same exact dress code when I went to Hadgesa. So, I mean, you know, I had to learn, like I had to readjust a little bit. I had that picture of my auntie and my grandma and some of my uncles and some of my aunties, but they were just kind of in the mix of all the pictures that we had, and all these faces you know my dad is archiving like pictures he's very sentimental right so he has all these pictures of all his friends so all these random people some of it might be people like people that he was friends with for a couple of years and then he'll have their pictures random people's wedding pictures so it wasn't even like 
they were only family pictures. It was just kind of all of these people they, they they had collected over the years. So there was no distinction between who was blood and who were friends that became family because they were all part of the mix, right? Like one was not better than the other. If anything, what we learned over the years was that chosen family is your family. But for me, um, you know, it was still such an interesting experience having to meet my blood family like it was a strong learning experience having to meet them and it was very deliberate it was always very deliberate me going to meet my grandma I felt like and me going back home I think honestly was a way for me then to kind of establish what my relationship would be like I couldn't wait to meet my grandma just to be like oh and I wondered if she would look like her sisters and I was just like I also just didn't see this woman who gave birth to my mom just to kind of see who she would be like and what kind of relationship we would have my mom was raised by her mother so their relationship is a bit different so I was like all right let's see like you know like let's see and a big part of the going back home and also even getting used to this family that we met (laughs) throughout the years is that you know everyone's a stranger until you guys build a relationship right and I used to always just take selfies with Ayeo and one day I was taking a selfie with her and Aptia and then I look and I'm like oh my god me and Ayeo have the same face and that I was like and up to you too, we kind of all look alike. Uh, and, and you wouldn't think so at first glance, but I was like, our face shape is the same. And that is, I think, what made me like realize the weight of this experience. And a lot of times when I even talk about Somaliland or going back home, I've outside of complaining about societal conditions and stuff, a lot of what I talk about is my grandmother because meeting her and then even my mom's my mom has a younger sister who looks exactly like her but I wrote about when I first met Ayeo and what I remember from the first time I met her was that I had got my uncle took me like it was such a big even that was a big journey going to see her I was like in the shop part of town and we just had to travel like in the in between Duhur and Asar normally in Hargeisa nobody goes outside between those hours but I'm American, so I wanted to sleep in and do things on my own time. <laughs> and my uncle took me all the way across town. And then it was just so hot and so dusty. And then we went to visit all these extended family members. And we saw everybody else. Every other, like, a random family member. And then my family, like, they're people who like each other but don't know each other. So it was like, so it was like, okay, just trying to get like everybody's name straight and how they fit in into the family fabric, all of that kind of stuff. And then we eventually went to Ayeo. That was the last stop. And I just remember it was so hot. And then they, they live on a hill, a very rocky hill. And then when I went there, she goes, and then she hugged me for like five minutes we just hugged each other and it was like 
in that first embrace, we were like trying to catch up on time, you know? And every time I would see her after that, I would sit really, really close to her. I would squish her wrinkly skin and I would just cuddle up next to her like a baby at my big age. And then what's gonna shake and chill Like I would always go chill with her and Habiaro and then my little cousins. And then we would just talk and then she would tell me her perspective on things that have happened throughout time. And then tell me other things about the family and then I would try to ask her questions about all of her kids and the type of life that she lived. And one time she asked me, she said, uh, which means like, how long did it take you to get here? And I was like, do you want the short answer or the long answer? And right before that trip, I flew into London originally. And even that was not a simple trip. I went through Iceland because I thought that would be cool. Um, but whatever. And then I did a whole I did a whole Euro trip. So I went on every single mode of transportation. Trains, buses, planes, bicycles for like three weeks before I came to Hergesa. And so I didn't even know how to answer that question. I'm like, uh, do I say the three planes that took me to get here or the frolicking I did around Europe before I arrived? And then when I told my aunt, that, you know, when I said, oh, it, it took three planes to get here, you know, you take a plane to London and then I took another plane to Ethiopia and then I spent seven hours in transit in Ethiopia and then you take a little plane to Hergesa. And then she said, wow, you traveled so far to get here. And I said, how about... Them little three planes was nothing compared to the 25 years I was waiting to get here. I digress and kind of continue on with the how far would you travel for love really is something that I think marks the diaspora experience. The how far would you travel it's not only physical but psychological and all of that as well. Really was like a growing, a learning and an unlearning. Be able to say that I know who my family are, you know, I know you know, like the people that I came from, the the land that I came from. That is something that I think was so important for me to establish. And that is something that still resonates with me to this day. And I feel like I don't know why that is, but I just feel like maybe a part of me thought I would never ever see the country and so with that going there and still continuing to go there and like creating my own relationship with it was something that I very much felt like I had to do and it wasn't anything that my parents told me to do or my family told me to do if anything my parents very much were surprised but very appreciative and glad that I was able to create my own relationship and I think in some ways it even caused them to kind of lean in into that, um, lean into talking about it, thinking about it. My dad has since gone back twice. My mom I'm still working on, but inshallah, I hope by the time that I am put out another season or and I just hope one day you'll see me talk about ah, oh I finally went back home I'm gonna shoot a documentary when that happens it opened up something that was very much hidden I think within my parents and I think that's also very reflective of the diaspora experience you know you come to a new land and you very much try to settle here so you forget everything that you came from and not forget as consciously forget but like just bury deep down inside so that it doesn't affect your day-to-day -day reality and for me me this whole journey was a learning experience and how to recreate that link to the homeland so a couple episodes ago 
um, we talked about hudunte de bakuasen. Like back in the days, people used to bury their umbilical cord in the land, which is like the most intrinsic way of saying like you are of this land and this is where you came from and this is where your roots are. Like everything about you is tied to this land. And I remember even... Um, I have an old Somali book of Somalian words and images, and then there was there was a quote in there that says, "A man that doesn't have land um, on earth won't have land or won't have space in heaven." And so, land is so intrinsic to us. You know, that's how we live. That's how we survive. And even the beginning and the end, the intro and the outro of this is talking about that. The first bit. I mean, it sounds really nice, but the first bit she's saying camels graze different lands looking for land that's prosperous and ultimately also prosperous land in some ways will be where there's peace which is kind of what everybody's always looking for and then at the end she was like some places might be barren land you know and then other places are like dul barwaka like you know there's just land that's so prosperous and um plentiful and could feed you and sustain you and so the idea with that is you have to continuously move to make sure that your needs are met my parents very much came here came to america or left the country for a very specific need that needed to be met right and i think for me and a lot of people that are going back to the country they're also going back for a very different type of need um, to be met. I talked about that quote earlier, for me, it's like, okay, the land is still something I will forever talk about and is so important. If there's nothing else that we have other than the land, then we also have the people. And so going, literally going to see the people who I came from was a huge deal for me um, and really kind of marks this project. Isirka also came out, the name Isirka specifically also came out because my grandma gave me the name Isir when I first met her. And I'm named after her mom. And she asked me, she was like, oh, did you know you're named after my mom? And I was like, yeah, of course. And then she, she told me her mom's whole name. And then she, in that moment, she also you know, and and then she just started laughing and, and then she started rocking back and forth with joy. And I was and in that moment, like this woman who very much is a grown, like elderly woman, like Aya has a very youthful spirit about her, and she like literally transformed to a child in front of my eyes in that moment. And I think that that's what the beauty of this whole project and this whole experience is and this way of like kind of commemorating or paying homage to your roots is that you're able to go back so that you're able to go back to your roots you're able to kind of go back and i think a lot of it is the unlearning so we can say okay somalia do this and this and this and this and then x and somalia is this and this and this x i'm not going to entertain that i'm not going to push the envelope i'm not going to try to see what that looks like for me but I think, if anything, the past couple of years, there's been so many diaspora, so many young people, um, and middle-aged people, so many people going back home to the region, going back home to the various countries in the region, and taking up space and trying to say, like, look, we're not just some, we ain't just, you know, whatever Western media wants us to perceive ourselves as. So this project also was another way of, in some ways trying to make the country more accessible, but I think honestly it's been such an amazing way to just kind of reflect on the journey, reflect on my roots, reflect on my roots and kind of learn more about them. And so a lot of this journey and this whole first season, Why Would You Travel for Love, a lot of it was about going back 
you know, going back to going back in time, going back to your roots, going back to even reflect on maybe something like, you know, recent experiences to see what made it meaningful, what people gained from it. And I purposely, you know, um, chose to do that for people who went years ago because when the wounds are still fresh, it won't feel the same. But being able to reflect on something that was so past tense and the way you're able to value it now is very different. And so at this point, you know, even evident in using the name Isirka and t- talking about my roots, a lot of this journey of going back home and establishing a relationship was about me reclaiming my roots, my family, my identity. And so ultimately going back and reconnecting with them and meeting them allowed me then to forge new relationships with them. But it also kind of um, allowed us to reestablish a connection in a real way. When I was in Canada, I was telling one of my aunties that my Ayeyo gave me the name Isid. And I was like, isn't that so cool? Like she was so happy to see me that I came back. You know, I was the first child um, that was gone and the first child of the diaspora to come back. And she's like, no, she said, no, 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 that's not, oh, that's not what she meant by it. She meant your whole existence in itself is a way of reaffirming your family roots. And I was like, what? And so there's so many different ways to interpret, you know, history, identity, culture, everything but the defining it for yourself and you kind of deciding what it's going to be for you is kind of how you're kind of crafting your own path and I think my journey of going back and forth to Somaliland was about me doing that and I very much didn't want it to be something that was just passed down to me that I just had to kind of accept because that's the way that it's been done for generations and decades and so I very much am challenged a lot of the things that I saw that I had to face and I will continue to do so in the name of we should do better and be better as people as a society and really all of that comes out of love and so I hope you've enjoyed the stories that people have shared about going back home what that looked like for them what meaning it brought them you know if there's anything that I've learned thus far about this experience is that the going back home wasn't the end but only the beginning to a new chapter. So this episode will be the end or the culmination of the first season, How Far Would You Travel for Love? And stay tuned for season two coming up soon. And that will be on, you know, what do you do after you learned your past? If you know better, you do better. And so this next season, season two, will be all about imagining a better future. I don't even know what I'm going to have up next, but I'm looking forward to the people that will join me on the journey. I hope you will continue to join me on this journey. If you've enjoyed this season so far, please leave a review, share it with your friends, share it with your parents, share it with your relatives. And stay tuned to season two, Imagining a Better Future. I can't wait to see where this journey will take us to next. Kukala na krono, melwana fava.